We are very excited about today's show, and before we begin, we got Jesse Ledoux with our product feature of the week. Jesse, tell us what you got for us. Hey, Stephen. So I wanted to kind of refresh our listeners because we haven't talked about our coaching options in a minute, so I wanted to circle back. So for those listening that may not have committed to a pageant coach or you have a pageant coach and you're looking for some other options, we have so many possibilities to get you on the right track for your pageant and make sure you feel confident and powerful and your best you. Got it. So when we say coaching options, what are, I guess, the different ways that we um, provide that those options for individuals? So it's very multifaceted because we have totally, over the past year, made it so multidimensional. And what that means is we have our box membership for those in the U.S. and Canada, um, and then our standard digital coaching for our listeners in the rest of the world. So for example, our virtual coaching, our VC membership, starts at $29 a month. That includes un- unlimited, unlimited written questions to our pageant coaching staff. So you can send us pictures of your past evening gowns or evening gowns you're considering. You can send us your headshots you're considering that you want to help, you want help narrowing down, or you can even send in your paperwork to be reviewed so it is typo-free and as effective as possible. So that's our virtual coaching membership, and that membership is $29 a month, like I said, and for those in the U.S. and Canada, you get a box delivered to your door that is tailor-made to when your pageant is. So if you are five months out and you should be focusing on your wardrobe, you get goodies that will help you do your shopping, do your saving, preserving the garments, and then also checklists of, okay, here's how you can find the right gown here so you can make the most of your shopping experience. So that's virtual coaching. Wow. Okay, so for 29 bucks, and if you're in another country, you don't get the box but it's still only $29 well and I'll (laughs) say like that's that's the lowest coaching package anyway so regardless of whether you're in U.S. or Canada or not I mean that's a monthly fee where are you going to find that level of coaching anywhere else unlimited questions that you can ask for that amount you're not so the box I, I like to tell our U.S. and Canada contestants our members like the box is a bonus like you're paying for the coaching the box is the good stuff just extra well, and then there's also access to this like timeline, right? They get mm-hmm. emails. What's that about? So it used e- to be free. It's not free anymore. It's part of the coaching membership because we it was so bad. We had thousands of people on it, and thousands of contestants would tell us that they won their pageant as a result. So we we're like, you know what? How can we make this more exclusive for those of our partners that are so loyal to us that we can give them even more attention through the box of the coaching? So the timeline, you're right. You get an email every single month, and it includes motivational quotes. It includes concrete links to either past articles or resources to help you save money or get more thorough in your uh, preparation. And also, like at the very end, this is my favorite feature, it's like, hey, what? here's what you should have accomplished so far. That way you'd be like, oh my gosh, I totally forgot to do that last month, let me get on it. So the timeline comes to you every single month in your email inbox, and it just, it kind of rounds out all of your coaching. So you get the box, you get the coaching, and then you get the timeline. Yeah, because it's gonna be really stressful, and that was the thing that we wanted to do, like, right, eliminate the stress of, oh gosh, pageant's five months away, like, what in the world should I be practicing right now? Like, should I buy my dress? You know, should I be working with a trainer? Mm-hmm. Should I be, like, practicing interviews questions? You know, so, it, yeah, the timeline really covers all that. Okay, so that's, you get all that for 29 bucks, mm-hmm. which, that's, like, free. 
Um, so, and then we have two other options, right? So what are the two other options? So the next level is our VIP membership and that's $76 a month. That includes everything you just heard plus unlimited mock interviews, which is a huge deal because what I mean by that is one-on-one -on -one Skype mock interviews with a physical coach. So we do a Skype call. We ask you questions that are tailored to your pageant, to your paperwork, um, to your pageant style. So if you're a Miss American contestant, we do sessions of, uh, we do a, a full run of 10 minutes. If you're a National American Miss contestant, we do several one minute rounds of interview, and then you get live feedback right then and there. So you get those included with that membership. Yeah, and we just ran a report on this. It's like the average amount of time that people say VIP VIP members with us is like six months, mm -hmm. but we have like, we have a high amount of people that are in a year plus. They just keep the membership going, taking all those mock interviews and just keep it rolling in. So, which I I, I was pretty shocked by that. I didn't realize it was that long. Mm -hmm. You know, so okay, so that's VIP, and then what's the what's the third? The last that and includes the, oh, go and ahead. the VIP. They still get the box and the prep and all that. So two exactly, and which so. You said. Okay. The last, the most, the most pinnacle membership is VIP Platinum, and that includes everything you just heard, the mock interviews, the box, the unlimited, plus guaranteed weekly one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions. So we talk about everything from um, your wardrobe, your branding, your platform development, your, um, your appearance strategies, walking and posing. That time is your time to do whatever it is you want. You're paying for it, it's yours, and you have a dedicated coach that you work with that will help fine tune you, work to develop what are your, what are your areas of most improvement and how do we make them your strength. So that level is $148 a month. Yeah, and which is like, again, most pattern card coaches charge between $100 and $150 an hour, but there are some that charge like $200, $250. So with this, it's like massive cost savings. With how do they buy how do they buy this if they want to sign up for it? So the easiest way to get introduced to the program is to visit pageantplanet.com backslash box. And from there you'll have the ability to upgrade to the VIP or the VIP platinum option. And then you immediately get enrolled in the box program, which will sync with your pageant date. So everything will come together and you will have like pretty much like a little coaching army behind you. Love that. All right. Thanks, Jesse. Welcome to Pageant Planet's podcast, where we share stories and strategies to help expand and connect the global pageant community. Visit pageantplanet.com to find pageants, hire coaches, shop for dresses, and more. Now, here's your host, Stephen Roddy. Welcome to another episode today, Jesse and myself. We are going to be talking about six international pageant trends that happened in 2018 and how we see them playing out in 2019. So Jesse, set the stage for us. So Stephen, I don't know if you agree, but I think 2018 was a very exciting year in pageantry. Yeah, there was a lot. I mean, from Miss America to Miss Universe, I mean, there was a lot of stuff happening. 
And there were gorgeous winners, we saw tons of impeccable gowns, and pageants themselves taking themselves more seriously and aligning with public expectations. So they're looking at themselves more as a business and they're making some changes that we never thought would happen. One example is taking a swimsuit out of Miss America or Miss Universe adding a speaking component. I mean, we'll talk about some of those today, but it was just a year of kind of things going on in their head. And as we gear up for 2019, I wanted to review some of the most notable trends of the year and what we expect to see moving forward. And we both pulled our Instagram audience, we pulled our staff because they follow every single pageant all across the board in the world. Um, so they have some insight too. Well, and what I like to see about pageantry is, you know, we can thank the Me Too movement from this, but it really has moved away from just judging on raw beauty to more of that spokesmodel type position, which I feel like is ultimately going to help every girl who wins the title in 2019, because people are going to be looking at them more than just a pretty face or a girl with a title. They're like, wow, okay, she can hold her own on a microphone. She can get people to engage in activities. So I think that this is very good for the industry. Well, and on the flip side, I agree. I think from the from the outside looking in, they're amazing changes. But I have heard some crotchety longtime pageant fans wishing that pageants would just stay in their lane and do what they do best. Like Miss Universe has always been known as a beauty pageant, but now here is an entire new component judge on speaking ability. So I did hear some mixed messages from the those already inside the community of, well, do we have to have every pageant with every kind of speaking message or can't we just have a beauty pageant? So lots of conversation in the industry, um, but you're absolutely right. To the outside, that's what they want. They don't just want to see outer beauty and we talk all about that today. Yeah, I love that. Okay, so go ahead and let's talk and break down the first trend that you saw happening in 2018. So I want to tell our, our listeners that I pulled some photos and shared with Steven so I could give him some context on these points. But if you're looking to do your own assessment on the pageant trends of 2018, and like I know a lot of you are off for vacations or holidays, etc., and you want to fall into a scroll hole, which is what I call when I'm just laying in bed not wanting to get up and I'm just scrolling aimlessly on Instagram, the Instagram at Pageant Planet, which I'm sure many of you already follow, follow, has so many good nuggets and photos, like all the way back to the January of last year and well beyond. So if you want to go there, feel free. Scroll hole. I like that. I just made it up today. <laughs> well, you nailed it. Okay. So, all right, what's the first trend that you see? So this was my choice on the list of six, and I'll tell you who kind of gave us each one across the board, and it was neutral metallics. And I noticed that the top four in Miss Earth, the top five in Miss Tourism, four of the top five in Miss Universe, all had neutral metallics. And by that, I mean silvers, golds, rose golds, coppers, etc. So any version of a metal color in an evening gown. And I mean, it really reigns supreme. And like a lot of these contestants took it to the next level by using different fabrics, textures to enhance the overall look. So it wasn't just straight beading. We saw floral appliques, Beaded fringe was massive in the end of 2018, so expect to see that next year too. And silk trains like created dimension and wow factor, so it was more than just metallic beading. Yeah, I get that. Well, so what do you think about this trend? Do you think it's here to stay? Do you think we're uh, you kind of alluded that you feel like we're going to see more of it? Yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere soon, just because it is so regal. It's very safe in the sense of like 
if you choose a bold color, people might be gravitated in one way or the other. They either like it or they don't. So metallics are always easy, very regal. I will say that though, like with this being such a strong trend, when we do see a gown with color, it makes people go crazy. And by people, I mean like the fans go crazy because it's refreshing. Like, Steven, do you remember if I were to say like Vietnam prelim gown from this year? Do you remember what gown I'm talking about? Yeah. It was that amazing yellow, really strong mm -hmm. shoulders. And I mean, when you're in a lineup of 20 contestants and there's three in color, the eyes are going to gravitate to you. So I will say, um, I think it's like people are still a little bit nervous to go into that color realm, but they should be confident enough to be able to go against it. Yeah. I mean, throughout history, there's never, I mean, people always say like, winners wear white. Well, mm -hmm. that's, and we've talked about this before in previous episodes. The reason why that whole thing came about is because everyone wore white. So the probability that you're going to win in white is high because literally everybody on stage is like wearing white. Um, but I do feel almost like metallic is kind of the new white. It is but, the new white. Totally right. Yeah. So what do you, what do you expect uh, like it, of this happening in 2019? Do you think because more and more people will be wearing like, uh, metallic that we're going to start to see more pops of color? Because I mean, two years ago we saw, um, I'm saying two years ago, but I feel like it was more 2014, 2015. There was a lot of really strong color, but it was less structured. It was just all in the fabric. Um, and then the color was really the, the pop. But now we're seeing more metallic and how you stick out is you use different materials of metallic. So you I... Know, so yeah, I agree with what you said, Stephen, as far as like the the odds. I think we will see the majority of contestants in 2019 will still go with whites and metallics. But if you look at the runways of um, the upcoming spring and summer collections for all the major designers, they're going with yellow tone colors. So greens are huge in, in general fashion. Yellow is going to be huge in general fashion. So I think when you're talking about that like burst of colors, a lot of blues and purples and pinks, I think we're going to see the opposite side of the color spectrum in 2019, greens and yellows. And that'll be a huge refreshment. And again, we ended the season so strong with Philippines wearing red amongst all the metallics that I'm hoping that we do see some bravery next year. Hmm. I love red as far as the evening gown. Like when it comes out on stage, I just, you know, obviously there's some misses in there, but for the most part, like I just think they're hit. So like when they walk on stage, they're just, they're really great. Such a strong color. It is. And everybody has their own red too. Mm -hmm. I mean, depending upon your skin undertones and you can tell your undertones by looking at the underside of your wrist. If you look at your veins, if they look a little bit uh, greenish, um, you probably have a warm skin tone. If they look blue, you probably have a cool skin tone or same thing. Like if you look better in silver, you probably have a cool skin tone. If you look better in gold, you have a warm skin tone. So there's a couple tests online if you're really interested to see your undertones. And then you can help find the right red because if you have a cool skin tone, you want to stick with blue bases. Um, so like a purplish red or something like a burgundy. But if you have a warm skin tone, you can go with like that fire engine orangey red. So lots of research should be done around red, but you're absolutely right. Red works for everyone because there is a red for everyone. Do you know of one of those tests 
off the top of your head and then putting you on the spot a little bit of where, where they can go and take that skin color test? Well, I, the two that I mentioned, the veins and the, and the jewelry color is one that you'll see in almost any of them. But if you just do a Google search of how to find your undertones, like there will be like five options that come up. I'm trying okay. to think of what the other, like one is like, do you burn in the sun or do you naturally tan? So, I mean, they're, they're ones that like kind of, it's not one particular test. They kind of just run together. Oh, got it. Okay. Well, I think it's probably important and I'm sure you're going to touch on this too, that there is no magic color. Um, like in, in any evening gown that you, that you select, right? There's no magic color that's going to help you win, et cetera. Oh, I definitely agree with that. I mean, I remember when I was shopping for Miss International, I wore black and I wanted to wear yellow so bad, Stephen, you know, that's my spirit color. And I wore it for mm -hmm. my farewell and I was like, I just don't see yellow winning. And sure enough, like Dianara won Miss Universe that year in yellow. And I was like, son of a gun, like <laughs> yellow can win. And then when I had my farewell gown, I was like, you know what? This gown would have won. So it was just, there is no magic color. It is all about the gown, the presentation, it all kind of working together as one. Yeah, because judges don't, I mean, judges are real people. So naturally, they feel drawn to a certain color. If you just say, what's your favorite color? They're going to say blue or whatever. But that doesn't mean that, okay, I'm not going to crown or the only girl I'm going to crown on stage is blue dress. So to get yourself in that mindset of like, I've got to wear white if I want to wear, I have to wear metallic, it's not the right mindset to be in it's more like what's going to enhance your beautiful your beauty what dress makes you feel most beautiful what dress do you feel like oh my gosh i could see myself winning in that because if you can see it yourself winning in that particular dress then the judges will naturally be able to see you as a winner as well oh for sure and I, if i remember back to our pageant prep timeline that we have that goes um, for all of our box subscribers or coaching membership members, um, one of the months that, that you have to do when you prepare for your pageant, it, we call it the research month. And your job is to look at the past three to five winners from your pageant to kind of research, okay, what did they wear? How did they wear their hair? What did they style? What did their figure look like? And just evaluate all of that. That's important to do too for your own system. So if you see a string of, okay, every single contestant for the last five years wore a metallic, granted the same judge are not judging every year but maybe it's some words that the director is giving them so maybe it's exotic because I think the I think the metallic can come across a bit more glam but more like um, universal um, mm -hmm. I think maybe regal obviously mixed metallics have that that aura as well so maybe they're not telling the judges to pick a girl in metallic but the words they might be choosing are yeah, and that's what I really love about the international stage, uh, not necessarily like the international pageant, but like just this universe, this world, et cetera, is because us like here in America, we have our own trends, but then when you open up the stage globally and you can see all the different countries bringing in all the different colors and their fabrics, like you really see, that's how you get like the pulse of what's happening in pageantry on a global scale. Not just what's happening in America or Australia, South Africa, Europe, etc. Steven, do you remember, and I'm going on a tangent here, her name was Mom May, I think, and she was Miss Maryland USA, a couple of, maybe um, Olivia Jordan's year? She's not ringing a bell. She had dark complexion. She was on America's Next Top Model with Tyra Banks, um, and she wore her Miss, her Miss USA finals nightgown was black and it had a ton of different textures, a lot of sheer beading. It was super high fashion. Are we there yet? Are you with me? Um, gosh, I, 
I want to say yes just because it makes me sound like more knowledgeable, but I'm not, but continue on. Okay, well, I'll continue on. I will say, like, she stepped out of the box hardcore with Evening Gown. Like, it was so, so beautiful, so avant-garde. And all I could think to myself was, oh, my gosh, USA is not ready for this. Like, it would have been the most amazing Miss Universe gown, but it was Mm -hmm. so high fashion that I knew USA would reject it. And we'll get into, like, some of the reasons why that is. But also consider, like... Like you just said, on, a inter- on an international scale, the rules are so different and things are accepted differently. So like keep that in mind when you are like transitioning, either if you're competing for your national title and then going on the international, you can feel free to kind of be a little edgier, be a little bit more rule breaking. Yeah. And what's like some people said about um, Demi's, um, Demi's dress, that the green and the yellow. Oh, yeah. And there are people like, oh, my gosh, I did not like it. Like, me personally, I didn't – I wasn't crazy about it. Um, No, let me be transparent. I didn't like it. However, (laughs) um, the South – like, I could totally get the theme there. It was, like, the South African flag. And for them, they look at that color of green, and we have a lot of fans in South Africa that listen to us. They look at their color of green differently than us. Because that's not a part of our everyday, like that color of green. I'm sure Jamaica would probably be similar um, because that green is in their flag too. So mm. it's cool to see that that translate. And though I can say I didn't like her dress, obviously I still like love her. I think she's amazing. I can also appreciate the context of where she was coming from. And she wasn't competing. So this is just like whatever dress she wanted to wear. Yeah, that's very true. And if you look back, I think in the USA a couple of years ago, they had the contestant that wore the the dress shaped like her, her state flag or her tribal flag. Same yeah. thing. That just doesn't work for anyone else. It just works for her. So you have right. to trust yourself. You have to be able to kind of na- navigate what are the trends of my system, what's going to work for me, what's going to work against me. Yeah, completely. And like a side note, Denny, that's how she won South, Miss South Africa. It was like she had that green gown. It was like just an all green gown that she wore that won her the opportunity to go on to Miss Universe. So anyways, it's just cool to see all the different cultures and how they do. Um, I'm going to miss Demi. I'm just going to say, I'm going to miss her. I'm really heartbroken that she's gone. Yeah. She's been great. Um, And I feel like we've had some good Miss Universes the past, um, the past year, but yeah, she, uh, I just, I think the world of her. I did send you Um, a picture of my May. Oh, you did? Okay. Yes. Let me, let, let me check it. I want to hear your perspective on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So it's so theatrical. It looks like it would be a great talent gown if you're like a, an opera singer mm-hmm. for the American system. Way too risque for America. Way too like, but the drama of it. Um, I, I do remember this one now. Yeah. I, I love it. I love it. And I think you're right that, yeah, Miss <laughs> USA was not ready. Miss Universe would have been there. And Put it on a Miss Venezuela or Miss Puerto Rico on their, on their country pageant. I think it would have fit right in, don't you? Yeah, completely. Completely. They're, I love looking at their dresses. Oh my uh, even some of the things that walk across the stage and like uh, Billa Billa, like, and I know I'm saying that right, so please, my Filipino fans, like, don't hurt me too wrong. <laughs> but it, it basically means Miss, Miss Philippines, which um, I didn't know I wasn't privy to. But the 
that is is the miss. But anyway, so their dress is really great, and I just really enjoy looking at all the different uh, cultures and their evening gowns and what they bring because it's so different. Um, a lot of times, it's different from what we have in the United States. Yes. So right. I want to talk about number two that enhances okay. the evening gown. So we talked all about the evening gown. Now I want to talk about the styling. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Bring it. Okay. So number two was the variety of hairstyles that we saw in 2018. And our Instagram users were totally united on this. I'm going to call out a couple that mentioned it. So Yadira underscore Simon said more girls wearing their natural hair. Totally right on. Mm -hmm. Agree completely. Um, Ms. Woman, Tennessee, US 18, women of color wearing their curls instead of weaves and extension. We saw it most recently, Miss Belgium Universe. Loved her. She was one of my personal faves. Oh, I need to. She was I, super I was like dreamer. rooting for her. Yeah. Same. And then also Hartley.Rice said the straight hairstyles. Um, also were one of the things she noticed. So I, I sent Steven a picture, and this is on our Pageant Planet Instagram feed, like I said, of the top five. And I just want to kind of recap the, the five different hairstyles we saw. We had mm -hmm. Miss Puerto Rico with her hair slicked back, but also still wavy and curly at the end. Then we had Miss Venezuela with the extreme center part and the stick straight hair. Then we saw Catriona, Miss Philippines, the eventual winner, with a side part with big waves. And then we had uh, Miss South Africa, sleek, straight pony. And finally, everyone's favorite, Miss Vietnam, with the super cropped pixie cut. I cannot remember a time with a more diverse hair year. Can you? Uh, no. In any no. pageant really, that, was, that was the thing that I told Renata, too, when she and I were watching Miss Universe. I said, oh, my gosh, look at how everybody's hairstyles are different. And so we were just analyzing it. But yeah, it was, I do not remember a time seeing that drastic of hairstyles. Well, and even if you looked at the top 10, um, we just mentioned Miss Belgium had an adorable cropped curly hairdo. And we had Miss Great Britain who wore her natural braids, kind of half mm -hmm. up, half down, looking absolutely amazing. So I think like this was, if I had to pick one of my favorite trends of the year, this was probably it because the standards of beauty are evolving. Typical pageant hair is becoming less necessary because I do hear like a lot of girls, they get a ton of extensions or they do just the pageant waves because it's easy. They know it works. It's flattering on everyone. I love seeing people take a chance and being rewarded for it. Yeah. I mean, South Africa's hair, I mean, clearly, right? She... Stepped on her gown like twice, mm -hmm. um, and then when she did her on stage question, she didn't even fully answer like the the one question. Um, but she still <laughs> she still got like top five, you know. Like it was amazing how how well she did, and she just looked flawless. And every she time did. she was out there on stage, and I loved her um, her her pony her high ponytail with the sleek straight hair. That's my that's my favorite hairstyle. I love it when Renata just does her hair up, up in a ponytail and really sleek and straight down. Mm -hmm. So I, I just really love that look. It's really classy. She was great. Um, you obviously said Vietnam was, I mean, her short pixie cut was just super cute, really trend. But when I look at this, I don't think pageant. I think, oh my gosh, all of these girls were, were at the red carpet. Yes. And that's a word that I feel like is like Hollywood glam, red carpet that every girl uses to describe what they want to look when they go out on stage. And the end result is most of those girls all look the same. 
Yes. Like with the same kind of curls, the same kind of way hair falls. But here I see that the Hollywood glam aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I think like we even saw on a U.S. standpoint, like Sarah won Miss USA with stick straight hair. So that was right. a huge, a huge change, like, and definitely stood out in a good way. But I think beyond just like them choosing more like regular hairstyles, I'd say is that is that a thing? I guess it's not regular hairstyles because curly pageant curls are traditional style. Maybe traditional pageant hairstyles. Yeah, maybe like more streetwear styles. Like, like you mm -hmm. said, you'll see them more out out in uh, general fashion and culture. And I will say, like, they all worked with each of their presentations too. Like, for example. Puerto Rico, super smiley and super bubbly. So the fact that she slicked her hair back allowed her face to be the center, but she still did soft and curly at the bottom. So it still kind of felt like her. If she had been so smiley and bubbly with super fully slicked back hair, totally straight, I feel like there would have been a disconnect with her personality. So like, I don't think she would have been as successful had she done South Africa's ponytail just because it didn't feel like her. So it's just as important when you're considering your gown to have your personality that your styling does too. Love that. All right. So do you expect this trend to continue on 2019? Yes. I think we will see a dramatic increase in the amount of contestants, both to continue embracing their natural hair texture and taking chances away from um, traditional pageant curls. I mean, even like National American Miss, we just saw an adorable contestant win with a really short, tight, cropped, curly hairdo. We saw um, another contestant win with like a really severe bob, like a blunt bob. All things we're not used to seeing win in pageantry, and I, I'm loving it. I am here for it in 2019. Love the hair differentiation. Uh, I just want to say it again, like shout out to Belgium. I just heard, loved her hairstyle. <laughs> so cute. Okay, so what's the what's the third trend that you see uh, that you saw in 2018? So this came from our queen of editing, Allison. Uh, so just to give everyone background a little bit into what Allison does, Allison sees every single thing that goes out everywhere we put it out. So she knows the trends, like she is up on it. And she said capes and then drama in general. Um, so again, capes really emerged when we saw Olivia Jordan wear the Berta gown at Miss Universe a few years, two years ago. And then mm -hmm. they kind of like run their course in 2018. Like we've seen them everywhere. And like even Demi wore um, a one shoulder cape gown. Like we saw capes in every variation in 2018. And I mean, like, I like drama. I mean, what is a pageant without drama? Steven, you ever been to a pageant that didn't have any drama, both on stage I and mean, off? The whole word pageantry means drama. Synonymous. I mean, it was literally the word pageantry is used to describe drama. So, yeah, there is no pa pageant without drama. So, yeah. I, I do think my personal opinion, though, is I am ready to see capes kind of fade out for next year. And, I will, and I'll give some, reason, some real reasons why, not just because personal preference, because I do love a cape. But I think it just became almost a guarantee, especially in fun fashion. So not just evening gown in fun fashion. It was like whether it was a shoulder cape or what I call a butt cape. So it's like an overskirt type deal that just yep. extends longer. Um, I just felt like it was like, okay, here's a cocktail dress with an overskirt or here's yeah. jumpsuit with a cape. It was just like, it was almost, it happened more often than it didn't happen. You're right. And it does help those contestants that are nervous to give them something to play with when they're on stage, like something to do with their hands, maybe the newbies. So I can see it from, it's almost like, um, a crutch, if you will. Mm -hmm. But 
I agree with you because it almost seems like, oh, it's fun fashion, get something with a cape. Yes. And for maybe our international audience that doesn't have fun fashion, uh, consider it like um, an evening gown phase of competition, but you're wearing something that's just more of a talent type gown or more of a you know fun fashion. And when you're walking, it's just a real playful, joyful walk when you're mm-hmm. on stage. And it's it's uh, a lot of pageants here in America they have that. Um, so it seems almost like the lazy way of just saying, "Oh, it's fun fashion. Let's do a cape and then play with the cape." Versus the girls that go all out and like have their shoes themed out with their skirts and their tops and um, and some stuff in their hair, you know. So I, I do. I'm, I'm ready to see the the trend adjust there. Yeah, I think we will continue to see, though, for 2019, overskirts. I mean, Canada last week got, like, Miss Canada Universe got such an ovation over her peach gown with the gigantic overskirt, the layers, the structural overskirt. She was so pretty. Oh, she was gorgeous. I saw her now that I'm like, if you just put a box around her, she would be a Barbie. She would be. Like, you just, cardboard box, like, plastic over, like, call it a day, she would be a Barbie. And the audience lost their mind. Do you remember how loud it got? And she's from Canada. I doubt, I mean, that you heard how loud that room was when Miss Philippines was, or Miss uh, Thailand was on because it was in Thailand. And right. then when Miss Canada did her evening gown, it was like, holy moly, like all of a sudden they erupted. Yeah. And I mean, you, you expect that from Venezuela, you expect it from Philippines, um, obviously Thailand, since they're in Thailand. But Canada, there's like, like pageantry isn't even overly popular in Canada. Mm-hmm. It's growing the popularity, but it's not like America or these other countries that we've labeled. So to have the whole audience erupt, you know a bunch of other countries, not just Canadians, were like on board with that. Yep. So I think we'll see structured overskirts, not just soft chiffon, um, what would, dusters, I would call them. I think full structure. I think we'll start to see a single, like this was popular in the 90s, Stephen, in pageantry. It was like a single train, so it was an attachment on one shoulder. So I call it a shoulder sweeper, and it just goes all the way to the floor. I think we'll see those kind of like a transition away from capes. Like we're not ready to let it go, but we're (laughs) moving on. So it's very elegant, very sweet, very soft. It works great for teen contestants. Um, And I think we'll see a lot of sheer overlays. Like I think we'll see a lot more... Um, people playing with the, the fact that either they have like a full skirt over a fitted skirt that you can see through, or maybe they have nothing underneath, so it's more nude. Um, I think those are where we'll see drama next year versus capes. I love that. All right. Okay. Anything else you want to say that before we move on to point four? Uh, I think we're, I mean, like a cape, I think the topic has run its course. <laughs> is, that, is that too harsh? No, that was, that was good. All right. Good transition. All right. What's, what's trend number four that you see happening in 2018? Well, I think beyond pageantry, this trend was massive. Um, this came from our pageant staff too. Um, female empowerment was like mm-hmm. the trend of the whole industry. Yeah. And like Hollywood and just it seemed like the world, like really empowering women, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Even coming from a guy, like it's great. It is great. It is great. And we saw, I think, evidence of that in every single Q&A phase of competition in every single country around the world, which was really, really exciting. Um, Like they would talk, like they would ask the contestants what, like what their goals were as a title holder or what, why they'd be the best fit. And a lot of them have the similar sentiment of, 
Um, you can follow your dreams. I'm proof of that, etc. And which leads me to a, a really interesting tweet I saw recently during an international pageant. And it said, follow your dreams is the new world peace. Hmm. What do you think about that? I would agree with that because we don't, um, if we're just talking pageantry, like that was typical, stereotypical conversation. I just want world peace. Now, when you hear every girl's from national American myths to Philippines, to Thailand, to South Africa, the United Kingdom, it is. Girls are like, no, I've got goals. I've got dreams and I want to pursue them. And you hear that inside the interview room. You hear that on stage. And you even hear that in the the kids' pageants, the glitz pageants, mm-hmm. about girls like, I've got big dreams. I want to do big things. And what a great kind of mantra to have in the industry, especially going on towards, you know, if we jump back to point number one, where we're saying how it's more conversational and it's leaning more towards that spokesmodel type role, like when we said in the introduction. So I think that those two go hand in glove. Yes, and... The, the conversation in pageantry especially is so important because there are naysayers who believe pageants aren't relevant, and this is one of the key reasons that we are. And what I expect to see for moving forward is like this message is not changing anytime soon, but what I think it's important is it's the amount of weight we can add to it that will make it a sustainable dialogue so it doesn't become a joke like world peace. Like world peace is now like a funny... People here, you could be in pageants and like, oh, you want world peace? And it's like, you're hilarious. Um, (laughs) You're so funny. Very original. Never heard that one before. Oh, yes. Right? Shut your mouth. What a great joke. I think so. The way to keep it from being a punchline is to, for each contestant listening, when you're kind of establishing what that, like, follow your dreams message is, Add weight to it with your story, with personal stories, action plans, details, and that's what I think we'll see in 2019, and especially because Catriona and a lot of the other international winners from this year, like Miss Earth, Miss World, they they do come forward with, hey, here's what I've done in the world, and here's my plan to do it, and that's why I think it's important to follow your dreams. Your, your, my dream is to make a difference. Here's how I'm doing it. It doesn't have to be in that order or that, that messaging, but I think we will see people making making the follow your dreams conversation personal that and that is the thing that drew me to the industry in the first place mm-hmm. uh, for those of you that don't know like i had um i owned a football team an arena football team uh prior to starting pageant planet and i was dating a girl that um, was competing in the miss america system and i went to her pageant and i was amazed one about how rowdy everybody was but then, too, I was amazed at how my girlfriend at the time, she had this team of people around her that encouraged her in her dreams, that helped critique her imagery, um, like helped her with her makeup so she could get her confidence up and the, the right look. And they practiced with her, like public speaking, interview, walk. And I'm like, jeez. This is amazing, like life skills. The only other way, the only way I could get that same type of thing is if I paid and went to a business conference. That's the only way. And in pageantry, it's just built in the support system of basically helping this girl or guy, and for our male users, like be the person they need to be in order to achieve their dreams. And that's when like more people need to know about this. 
we should create a portal that helps whatever, and, you know, and here comes Tiger Planet. But that was a really big draw for me as an outsider looking into the industry when I first started. Well, and it's, it's one of those things that we are just in a pivotal time for women in the world. Uh, women's rights is a major conversation for those emerging nations and even in um, world leaders. I mean, it's just a bigger conversation than ever before. So yeah. make it the biggest takeaway I can say from this trend for 2019 is find a way to make it your own. If you record yourself answering the question about why should you be XYZ title holder and you listen back and I can literally pick up that audio and give it to another contestant and they can say it and it can sound like their answer perfectly. There's not enough about you in it. So when you're fine tuning, okay, what, what is my follow your dreams moment? How do you put more of yourself in it? It's all about you. It's all about convincing the judges that they should pick you versus anybody else. Yeah. Love that. All right. Point number five. What, what do you see five? as a trend? Steven, this was your choice for this year. Mm-hmm. So why don't it you was. lead the way? So for me, it was crazy the amount of interview suits that I saw mm-hmm. kind of make a reemergence. And it's not the traditional like corporate sponsor interview suit that looks like it was from the 90s that's just, you know, been worn in 2018. I mean, these were some pretty, like, if you're walking into a job interview at Prada type of um, interview suits. Mm -hmm. So very form-fitted, really sleek. I just loved it. Now, I wasn't crazy about Miss USA's interview suit. I mean, it was like a half suit and half short thing. The, The red it was red, right? It was um, hers was white, but I th- there may have been a red one this year somewhere. Okay, yeah. Well, I mean, at the Miss Universe is oh, the one I'm speaking yes, of. Yes, yes, yes. She had the she had the, was a double breasted and had one long sleeve and one short sleeve. Yeah, but like, but the breast was only on like one side. You know, it was like a double breasted vest, but it was like it was almost like two of them merged into one. It was just it was odd. I wasn't crazy about it, but. Like there was a lot of different angles and a lot of different plays on mm-hmm. on the suits. I mean, you see them everywhere. I mean, National American Miss again. For those of you that are not in the United States, National American Miss pageant is the largest pageant within the United States as far as numbers of girls that they that they see that goes through their system every year. I mean, it's like tens of thousands. I mean, it's a lot of girls. Um, but they're known for their suits, but they're the old school suits, not, not suits like what we saw at Miss Universe and throughout Miss USA, like state titles. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. we saw everything from fitted cropped pants with, with blazers. We saw a very, very wide leg, like Palazzo style with a really fitted cropped blazer. We saw no top underneath. So it was like a plunging suit. So very, very sexy. And then uh, we saw from a teen level um, and a miss level, we saw blazers with cute little crop shorts. So there was so many different variations that we saw this year. And I, I love seeing women make this look their own because I will say like as a petite, very slender woman, I can't 
wear the same suit that Miss Vietnam wore at Miss Universe. It would swallow, she wore like a, a big wide leg suit um, with some detailing on it. It would swallow me up whole. So suits are not one size fits all. So I like that some women like, okay, they know that their best asset is uh, their shoulders. So they did a great suit that featured their shoulders. Others elongated their legs. Others um, showcased their de decolletage. I mean, it was just like, it ran the gamut and no two suits looked alike. Yeah. And the thing I like is when, I mean, pageantry, if you really just kind of dumb it down, it's a glorified job interview for a spokesmodel position, right? And all mm -hmm. these different categories are just different phases of the job interview. And when you walk into the job interview, you want to wear an outfit like you are there to be the spokesperson or the marketing director, like when you're walking into the Miss Universe interview. You want to walk into the interview room dressed like you're going for the marketing direction or the spokesmodel position for like Prada or Gucci, which was an international fashion brand, right? You want that's the kind of flair that these suits had, which I just I thought it was perfect. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was an even more of an ex exclamation point when Demi wore it in her first walk out of um, on stage during the entire show. She had like a, yeah. an amazing crisp white suit. And I, I think elegant white suits are one of the most elegant and timeless looks in all of fashion history for women. Do you, what do you think about that statement? Is that a bold statement to make? It, no, it's definitely a bold statement. Um, like I guess what I think timeless as far as women, and this could just be me and being a guy, and but I always think of a kind of like Lucille Ball, that sort of thing, like with the black dress, like the little black dress and mm. all that. But I could see it from... A corporate standpoint when you're going into the job having this there is nothing like a, a woman that is wearing a, like a perfectly tailored suit that just lines up with her skin tones and her body frame and it just it really says like it really makes a statement when she walks into the room mm -hmm. it's like that explanation point that you're talking about yeah and I thought we saw we saw a couple of other details with suits this year we saw them in like really bright candy colors for teens we saw them like some of them had like add like cute little pearls throughout like a really mm -hmm. sweet little detail there so i mean we saw variation upon variation and while we did i will say and steven you let me know what you think i don't personally see this as a trend that's going to stick long term and i think we'll see it here and there i don't think we'll see it as much toward the end of next year as we did this year. Outside of color, it can be hard to redefine the look. And like we said, there is variety opportunity. It's just not something that like you see, if you see five different suits in a row, it's hard to be like, whoa, that was a really great suit. Like you just see, <laughs> you've seen five, you've seen five suits, you know? So yeah. I, I will say too, like tailoring is very, very hard for traditional, and I, I say the word, but it's not the right word, for traditional menswear looks, suiting is typically known as menswear. Um, because it can swallow like a slender contestant hole if not done correctly. So there's a lot of room for error. So I think we'll see it continue into the beginning of next year, but I don't see it going far beyond that. Yeah, I would agree with that. And you know, pageantry is so vast and so wide, though. Whenever we say we don't see this trend continuing, you're always still going to see a suit. Oh, sure. <laughs> you're always going to see certain cat colors because there's so many different personality types and girls and body frames and systems out there that you're always going to see one of these but we're just talking mainstream or mainstream trends mm -hmm. i don't see it because what i find 
and you please correct me if you feel like I'm wrong on this, that like on the Miss Universe stage, it's like the the designers and um, on the international scale, they're so focused on on our industry that they don't want to repeat themselves. They're always like, okay, new girl, we got to do it different. And they want that girl to have her own stand away, like to stand out in a certain way. So it's almost like the designers of these particular countries are not just like wanting to put their girls on the right foot. And I think that they certainly do that. But what they're wanting to do, it it seems like they're almost like competing against each other too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And we, we see that like, even like think about Pia's gown at Miss Universe. It had the very simple front, but the really ornate back. We've really never seen that before on a international pageant stage, like where it was so different. So I just feel like you're absolutely right. The designers that are solely focused on designing for pageantry are looking for what is the next big thing. They're not comfortable repeating. I think designers like, um, like us prom designers, or I don't know if there's an equivalent of prom in other cultures. I think that's where you see a lot of the trends live a little bit longer than they will in pageantry because they're being mass produced. They often are not exposed to the level of the trend isn't exposed as many people as it is within our industry outside of it. So I think that's when you see it repeat, kind of live a little longer than it should. But for the most part, you're yeah. right. Those pageant designers are really one-upping themselves. Yeah, it's great. Okay. Um, you want to move on to point number six? Yeah, the last point um, is going to be speaking ability. And we saw both Miss Universe and Miss America from a domestic standpoint incorporates additional speaking segments this year, allowing the contestants to share their own message. It was like, here's a microphone, here are 15 seconds, like what do you got to say? And it was just a really big statement. We talked about female empowerment before, and this certainly contributes. Yeah, so what do you think about this? Well, here we are again with the relevance discussion. Like women don't wanna see one-dimensional women. In a world like where breaking glass ceilings is the goal, like it's always, okay, who's going to be the first woman to do this? Or who's going to be the first woman or the youngest woman to do this? I mean, we're constantly like, when is the next barrier going to be broken? And I think women, for the most part, are united in that messaging. So just to have a really beautiful woman isn't enough for other women outside of the industry. So it's like pageants today have seen that, understood it, and they are out to prove that beauty is more than skin deep. Yeah. I mean, so I like the idea of it. I just, for this year on how specifically Miss America did it, I just thought it was, it just seemed so rehearsed. Mm -hmm. Like they, you know, were practicing for a sixth grade um, speech, went in front of a microphone and just regurgitated said speech. Um, I feel like, National American Miss has been doing this for a lot of years, and their girls, I mean, nine, ten years old, step into a microphone in front of like thousands of people, and they crush it. Like they do pretty good. But there was just something about the translation of um, America, and you know, I did see some on the universe stage that just it still felt felt a bit cheesy to me. Did it feel cheesy to you too? Yeah, that was my sentiment exactly. And that's like where I see it changing for next year. Like I cheesy is the word I actually have written down. And mm. I, I agree. I think Miss America did this not as well as Miss Universe because a lot of 
pageant coaches in the U.S. do cover several systems. Like, okay, personal introduction. Like, let's adopt it from several of the other pageants I work on. And what works well is kitschy, alliterative, cutesy, um, corny little phrases often because they're memorable for like the younger the younger age divisions. Stephen, I've heard, I'm sure you've heard a million of them. Um, mm -hmm. But I think that's how it felt with Miss America. It didn't feel like you were just speaking your mind. And that's what I think it should feel like. So um, the best way to practice this is through conversation, like having organic conversation, learning how to talk to someone as though you're just trying to prove your own point. So I, I think the speaking portions will stay. I am hoping and praying that be, they become less scripted, less rehearsed, and more like, ugh, let me think of an example. Do you remember Steve? I've got Glenn? a good example. Oh, go okay. ahead. Well, I, I have a good example of how I would like it to be. Give it to Not me. Not necessarily. Okay, so I would like it to be like Grammys or Oscars. Like the celebrities come up, they have the mic, and they're basically doing their acceptance speech. I would like it to be more like that. Because, I mean, even they, they bring some of the notes of the people that they want to thank or whatever, but you kind of get a little feel for the quirkiness or the personality of that particular actor. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, like Leonardo DiCaprio, when he was on stage, he used his whole thing to... Uh, it was like to push his cause, something that was important to him. Mm -hmm. Whereas other times people use that to bash Trump or they just use it to thank their producer or whatever. But it's kind of like an open mic certain amount of time and you get to feel the personality of that individual. That's what I would like to see. Yeah, and that was my almost my exact ex example as well, but mine was specific. It was Patricia Arquette. Do you remember that speech where she gave about uh, f uh, equal pay for women in Hollywood? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's one of my favorite um, GIFs. I still say GIF, even though everyone else says GIF. But Meryl Streep, like, clapping and pointing, like, that's from Patricia Arquette's speech. That's my favorite of all time. Uh, but she just said, like, she was crusading for equal pay for women. And if you're getting on stage and doing 15 seconds and it is based on either your platform or a follow your dreams inspirational moment, I want to feel the emotion driving it and not the cutesy tagline you came up with. And I think you should have a tagline. It doesn't have to necessarily be cutesy. It doesn't have to rhyme. It doesn't have to all start with the same letter. But I think it should be driven more by get the message across because the cutesier, the cheesier, the more rehearsed you get, the more likely we are as an industry to continue getting on like laugh reels on things like TMZ, Entertainment Tonight, memes, late night talk shows in a negative way. Yeah, even if it's like, I don't care if you put a podium up there and a microphone and you have a little piece of paper that you put out on there and then you go at it for 20 seconds or whatever. If you can deliver that speech and have like a point drive home and you, you stand by it, that's going to leave a really powerful impression of the power of our industry. Well, I think let's even think about this. Um, was it Miss Michigan at Miss, Miss America? All the contestants do like their intro of like their um, – well, this year I did like this. They did the focus on education, which wasn't one of the trends we mentioned, but I think it will be. Um, mm -hmm. They did like their name, their major, their school. And she came up and she ignored all of that. And she just said from the state. So I think she might have taken like one if she wasn't doing that. She said something like the state that doesn't have enough water for all of its residents. And she got more publicity from that statement than any other contestant that did a 15 second 
a quote unquote ground breaking speech moment, right? Do you remember that? Right. Yeah, I do. I do. She she said from the state of ten thousand lakes that don't have a single drop clean enough for the residents to drink or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And people were like, oh yeah. Oh snap. Exactly. And like, you yeah. don't want to shock and awe during that 15 second moment, but you do want to make a statement. And she made a statement. And that's why it was so notable because people don't look to pageant contestants to make statements. Even though we, we all know that pageant contestants are more than capable and nine days out of 10, they're out in their community doing speaking engagements just like this. For some reason, when we get on stage to be judged, we lose it all. We like, go like, yeah. yo, this is what's expected from the judges. I have to deliver it this way. No, like right. stay true to your message. Stay the course. Yeah. Well, because like you're Miss Australia, Miss United Kingdom, Miss Great Britain, Miss South Africa, Miss Ukraine, right? You're the spokesmodel for that organization, but you carry a national title. Mm -hmm. So push a cause that's a national cause. Like do something and use your voice, use your platform. And by platform, I'm meaning crown, like the microphone, you're on a literal platform. You use that to make your country better and to make your communities better. Mm -hmm. Oh, good soapbox, Steven. Thank you. You're welcome. That could have <laughs> been your 15 second speech for Miss America. Bam, could, you know, yeah, we'll, we'll see. We'll, we'll see if they open it up for men that are in their late 30s. But on a side married. note, I messaged you this during Miss Universe. How do we get Renata to be a translator for Miss Universe? Like, can we start that campaign now? <sighs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we actually we should because she was like, oh, that sounded so much better in Spanish uh, or like than that translator gave her credit for. So, and that was... Um, who was that? Was that Venezuela? I think, I, think when, I think it was Venezuela that you shared that with us. Yeah. And for those of you that don't know, my wife knows sign language. She knows Portuguese. She knows Spanish. And then obviously English. Um, she's the brains of the operations. Um, but yeah, she, we should start that, that campaign. Agreed. I mean, I'm on board. Whatever we got to do, I'll make it happen. <laughs> okay. All right. So your overall recap. Okay. Overall direction for 2019 in two words authenticity and glamour. So the appearance factor of pageantry, I don't think it's going away anytime soon, but I do think contestants will be further held to be able to show herself, show themselves to the judges and audience in a very limited amount of time. So like we just talked about for a few moments, that 15 second interval, 15 and 30 seconds, if you have the ability to speak or if your pageant only has an interview, how do you maintain that presentation across the board? Um, so I think in three steps to do that, know yourself, know your brand, and know your message. Ah, so good. Well, I appreciate everyone listening. Thank you so very much. And if you have gotten any value out of this particular episode or ones previous, please consider leaving us a five-star review. Um, it might sound like a really small thing, but... It helps us do things like get on Pandora, which we're actually actively looking at, and it helps us stay on Spotify. And so it really does help us keep pushing the show forward. So thank you all so much. Want to become a part of pageant history? Create a free contestant or business profile on pageantplanet.com to unlock hidden features and connect with other experts throughout the world.